as they're, as they're headed out, um, what I would like you guys to do who are still in here is if you're sitting next to somebody or if you're sitting close to somebody, take a moment. And I know that this is, uh, we're, I was just having this discussion with somebody last night. I know that this is the introvert's nightmare uh, as I say this, but... I'm going to invite you to find somebody nearby you and share something with them that you are passionate about, something that you absolutely love to do, love to talk about. I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to put limits on it, but something that you are passionate about. Go ahead and take a few seconds to share that with the people around you. All right, so thank you for doing that. Now I've got another step for you that I want you to do. I want you to take a moment and turn to the same person or to somebody different and tell them something that you're passionate about but that you don't really do anything about or something that you would like to be passionate about. In theory, you're passionate about it, but your life doesn't currently or has never actually shown any kind of passion in that area. This one's gonna take maybe a little bit more thought. Go. That's a lot quieter already. That one seems to be eliciting a little bit less response, whether we're having to take more time to think about it, or maybe we just don't really want to admit that, hey, there's this thing that I know that I should be passionate about, but I'm not really, or I don't really do anything about it. There was this guy who grew up not too far away from here, who for a while, and I didn't actually realize this until recently, went by the nickname of the, the Hick from French Lick. Anybody know who that is? Larry Bird, Larry Legend. See, where I grew up, I didn't know he was from French Lick, Indiana. I'd never, I'm going to be honest with you, I'd never heard of French Lick, Indiana until a year ago when I rode through it on a motorcycle. I knew him as Larry Legend. Larry Legend, the hick from French Lick, had a passion for basketball. I grew up with a passion for basketball. One of us went on to be one of the best basketball players of all time, the other one didn't make the varsity team in high school and didn't have that Michael Jordan story where, you know, he didn't make it for a year and then he made it the next year and then he became like one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And the only real difference between us, other than the fact that he's 6'9 and I'm 5'9, is that, well, okay, so there's probably a lot of differences between us. But one of those differences between us is that I'm assuming anyway that Larry Bird worked his tail off to become the basketball player that he was. If you watched him, and some of you, especially growing up here in Indiana, you probably did watch him, he was not the most athletically gifted person that you've ever seen. If you looked at him and you compared him to the other basketball players that were around him, you wouldn't sit there and go, my goodness, that is an amazing physical specimen. Like, look at those bulging muscles all over the place. Look how high he jumps when he shoots. He didn't, he didn't do any of those. Like, if you watched his shot, he didn't have this super high release point or anything like that. But one of the greatest of all time, because he was an incredible shooter, he was, his, his height helped him. But he worked like crazy to get to that point. There was, there was no lack of passion when it came to Larry Bird's basketball game. Whereas for myself, and I would assume a lot of you who may have had a desire at one point in your life to be a professional athlete of some kind, there was a little bit of a drop-off that, yes, maybe we didn't have the natural physical traits that some people have, but we also didn't have quite the drive, and we didn't have the passion that some people have about it. You could say that maybe we were a little bit apathetic about our approach 
to going in and to working at this craft that we wanted to be good at. There is a story about a man named David way back in the Old Testament that many of us, we, we read about him when we were growing up. If we grew up in church, we heard the story of David and Goliath. Even if you didn't grow up in the church and you didn't grow up around the church world or those conversations that we have in church, you probably at some point have heard the phrase David and Goliath because it's like every year during the, the basketball tournament, you have the Cinderella story or they call it the David story. You know, it's, it's David's taking on Goliath today. In boxing, you see David's taking on Goliath. It's whenever the little guy is taking on the big guy. But there's a story that kind of sometimes gets passed over that's kind of the early part of some struggles for David. And it's found in 2 Samuel in chapter 10. We run across this, or sorry, chapter 11, this really quick story in verse 1 where it says, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. I'm going to read that for you one more time just so we get the full grasp of what's going on here. It's one verse. In the spring of the year when kings, which David was at this point the king, when kings normally go out to war, David sent other people to go take care of it. They destroyed the Ammonite army. They laid siege. But however, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. I was asked several months ago after we had a conversation in here about uh, what it means to, to be the shepherd of the people around us and to go out and to find the lost sheep and to, to passionately go out. And, you know, we talked about Jesus actually told the story of leaving behind the 99 and going and finding the one. I was asked the question afterwards of, so what, what are you protecting us from? What are you going out and trying to pull us away from the dangers of? And I've pondered that question many times since I was asked that question uh, the person who asked me the question, actually, they didn't come back and ask me it again. Uh, I, I have an answer for them, but, and I'm about to give you part of it. But as I pondered that question, okay, so if a pastor, if one of our roles is to be a shepherd, then what is it that I'm being a shepherd to protect? What dangers am I here to try and protect you from? And when I, when I talk about protecting, it's not a, I think that I need to protect you from life and make your life easy or anything like that. But what dangers do I see lurking about that I need to alert us to? And one of them that has just rolled through my head ever since that day is the dangers of this thing called apathy. We see it all around us in, you know, in the, the world at large, but we also see it within the church. Apathy, uh, what we're going to define this morning, is a lack of concern, or it is a lack of passion, or it is a lack of interest. Or to put it this way, apathy means I don't see the problem, or I don't care about the problem, or it's just not my problem. And I think this is something that grabs onto us, not just within the church, it grabs onto us in the entire world, but we're going to talk this morning about us in particular in the church. David, years and years ago, was at a point where as the king, he should have cared immensely 
about the wars that his people were going off to fight. The, the kings went off to war to fight. But David instead decided, I'm going to stay back and I'm going to let other people make this their problem. I'm going to let them go out and fight my battles while I sit here comfortably sitting on my rooftop. And as we read the rest of the story, we see that in the process of David going through this moment in his life where he's not doing the things that he should be doing, he's not actively engaging, he's walking through with this lack of concern, this lack of interest, this lack of passion, this, this isn't my problem type of a thing, I can just go send other people off to fight my battles. Well, as we read the rest of the story, we see that that's the moment where he sees a woman bathing on her roof and he sees her and he thinks like many men would in that instance, like, whoa, and, he, you know, and he's like, wow, that's, whew, that's a good looking woman. And because of the power that he had, he called her up and he slept with her and she became pregnant and all of these different things start to unravel around David because he wasn't doing what it is that he was supposed to be doing because he had lost the passion, he had lost the interest, he had lost the concern about the things that he was supposed to do. And we can become apathetic just like David did. And there is there's danger in this apathy because as we get to this point where we just don't care about things and we just we take things lightly, the same things that happened to David, now it may not be the exact same story in our lives, most likely you're not going to be sitting on your roof and see somebody taking a bath on their roof. That's probably not, we don't do that anymore. So that's probably not your story. But something, you know, maybe you grew up and you heard the phrase, idle hands are the devil's play place. That as we sit around with this, all this free time and this I don't care about anything attitude, that we find ourselves in dangerous situations to the point that we can become apathetic about our relationship with God. Like, wouldn't it be so nice if we could just keep God at the Facebook, social media, Instagram, Snapchat level of relationship? Wouldn't it be so nice if all I needed to do with my relationship with God was occasionally post a status or occasionally post something on his feed, or occasionally, occasionally give him a like, and that was good enough, that qualified me as his close friend. That's how a lot of us begin to approach our relationship with God, because we begin to lose the passion in the interest. I, have, I don't know how many hundreds of friends I have on, yes, Facebook. I'm still using that old system called Facebook for the most part. I'm an, I'm an old soul when it comes to my social media. What can I say? At least I'm not on MySpace anymore. But, you know, and some of you are like, I don't even know what MySpace was. That's fine. Don't worry about it. You can, you can put that one in the past and not even pay attention to it. But man, I've, I've got all of these friends because they're people that I ran across from in college or they're people that I went to high school with or they're, they're people that I ran across at different conventions or things like that. And, and honestly, a lot of times I have friend requests and I realize I haven't checked my friend requests in a long time. And so if any of you have a friend request pending, I'm really sorry. I'm really horrible about checking that stuff. But I have all these people that if I'm being completely honest with you, I don't know a thing about their life. I mean, I have, you know, the, the algorithm shows me 15 to 20 people on a regular basis that I see the updates of what's going on in their life, and so I sort of kind of not really know what's going on in their lives. But the other hundreds of them have no idea, but they're my friends. 
That's what they're called on Facebook, is they're my friend. Man, wouldn't it be great if we could just keep our relationship with God at that same level? For any of you who are married in this room or want to be married in this room or have a close friendship in this room, a a close buddy, you know full well that you can't keep your true relationships at that level. You have to show passion about the relationship. You have to show interest about the relationship. You have to show concern about the things that are going on in their lives. We can't treat it in this way. We can't keep people at a social media level and expect to have any kind of deep connection with them. We also can quickly become apathetic, have a lack of passion in our worship. You know, I I know a lot of people that are much more passionate about their favorite sports team or their favorite band than they are about worshiping the creator of everything, or at least the, the one that they would say is the creator of everything. But man, when it comes to worship, if it's not the kind of worship that I appreciate, then forget all this. I don't want it. And so we lose that zeal that we once had that, man, it doesn't matter what the situation was like. Courtney and my wife got to go down to a conference this week, and I'm actually surprised she didn't say anything about that this morning or this past week. I'm surprised that Courtney didn't say anything, but they got to go down to this conference where there were multiple bands coming up, and these multiple bands had different styles. And my guess is, I guess I didn't hear the report back, but it didn't matter what the style of music was. People there, now most of them were worship leaders, so I guess that should help in this situation a little bit, but they were passionate about their worship. We can become apathetic in our congregational life and and what goes on in here that, that my participation in the congregation is that I show up on Sunday morning and that's enough. That's all I need. And actually, if you look at the statistics, and I, I don't know, statistics can always be skewed, and I understand all that kind of stuff. But the last stat that I heard was that to be considered a, a, um, a regular church attender, a regular member of a congregation, it means that you show up 50% of the time. And that is an active, regular member of a local congregation. And that's how we can start to treat it. I actually see this on Sunday mornings when we're two songs in and all of a sudden it's like, oh, people are coming here this morning. Because we're trickling in because it's not the place that we feel is necessary to be. We don't have a passion to be here. We come here because, well, we're supposed to be here. And this is my, my hour, hour 15 of due diligence in order to be in my relationship with God and my relationship with the other people in this congregation. And so if I can get in the hour 15, but also if I can show up late, then maybe I only have to be here for an hour, and then it's not so bad. And don't get me wrong, I understand that sometimes things happen. I don't have much of an excuse because I live across the parking lot. If I show up late, put, put my feet to the fire. I get it. I, I should always be here on time. So I get that things happen sometimes. But sometimes we have to stop and ask ourselves, Do we really want to be here? Do we really want to be around these people? Or are we doing this because we feel like we just kind of have to? We don't have a a passion. We don't have an interest. We don't have a concern about any of this. We've uh, we've put out the plea 
several times that we need people to be a part of children's ministry. Our MC Kids ministry is growing, but our number of volunteers is really not growing. And I fully understand that there are some people who should not be children's volunteers. But there are a lot of people who can be, who aren't doing it. Because with our lips we say children are important, but with our actions we say, but that's somebody else's job to take care of. It's not my problem. It's not my interest. We can quickly become apathetic in the congregational life that we live in. We can, come, we can become apathetic in our community life. We, this church, this local church, this congregation, this building sits in a community barely called Monroe City. I say barely because, again, I live across the parking lot and that's Wheatland. So I am a, uh, we minister to multiple communities every time I come into the office. So, but we, we, our building sits in this area called Monroe City. And it can be really easy because many of us travel from outside city limits. Many of us travel from, it might be Vincennes, Petersburg, Washington, Bicknell, Wheatland, all sorts of different places. Maybe you're just on the outskirts out in the country, uh, or what I would call the country anyway. And it's easy to drive in and not even notice the community that we sit in. You know, you drive down Main Street and maybe you see a little bit of what's going on in Main Street. But, but have you spent any time driving through the town itself? Have we spent any time getting to know the people of the community where this building actually sits so that we can figure out, I, I love Faith in Action Sundays where we, we just, we don't do this and we go out and we serve in our community, but that cannot be the only time that we make a difference in this community. That cannot be the only time that the people of Monroe City see the first church of God over here on the corner saying we care about you. We have a passion for you and your livelihood and, and, and the good of you. And so hopefully here before too long, we're actually getting ready to roll out some things that we are really excited that are going to be, that we are going to be inviting you to join and, and to just make a difference in the community in which we live. But it can't just be when we stand up here and we invite you in in order for you to be a part of this community. It's gotta be all the time. And it's gotta be something that we keep our eyes open to so that we don't get to that point of we have no passion for the area that, that's around us. I'm gonna start speeding up a little bit here because we can also become apathetic about the individuals in our lives. We can get to that point where it's like, you know, I know you, but I don't really care about what's going on in your life because your problem is your problem. And I'm not even talking about the individuals that you don't know, I'm talking about the ones that you do. I was, uh, I was sitting down in San Antonio a couple of weeks ago, and a young lady who's not yet married, um, she's, I believe, a freshman or sophomore in college, she started asking myself and a couple of the other youth pastors, which I know I'm, I'm not in that category anymore, um, but she started asking us, like, what are some of the biggest challenges of being married? And one of the guys answered the question, one of the biggest challenges for me with being married is that I have to understand that my wife's desires matter. And I know that sounds harsh, but what he meant by that was, I have to remember that I need to care about everything that she's going through. Not just the things that she brings up that I'm interested in, but I have to care about everything. And I have to be passionate about everything. Not like you share, and 
I know, we can get super sidetracked on that. But I have to be passionate about her. I cannot fall into a season of apathy with my wife. And we can quickly fall into apathy with the big story of everything that's going on. Man, it is, uh, as we look at our world today, and as we look at our world over the past several decades, there are so many issues that we have lived through. And some of you have lived longer than I have, so you've lived through more issues than I have. Where, man, it can get so easy to get to that point of there's just, there's nothing I can do about it, so I'm just not going to care about it. You know what? <clears throat> you feel differently about the vaccine than I do. But I just don't have the energy to care how you care. I just don't have the energy to even figure out why you feel the way that you do. You feel differently about politics than I do. I, I just don't have the energy to figure out why you feel that way. I just I don't care anymore. It is so easy to start falling into that. You know what? I just care about my thoughts and I don't care about the rest of the big picture. I'm not even gonna bother listening anymore because there's just too much. The big story becomes an issue for us and we become apathetic about all of this. And that's, that's one of the reasons that we get to this point where this enemy starts to creep in of getting us to the point that we don't care is because it can so quickly all just become so overwhelming. There is so much going on around us. I struggle with caring about the worship because there's so many different types of music out there. And, and then I get distracted by the fact that there's actually so many different ways to worship. And, and I get distracted and have troubles caring about my passion with my relationship with him because, man, it takes work to be in relationship with God. And it takes work to be in relationship with other people. And, and it takes work to be to, to be involved in my community and to care about my community. And, and it takes work to be involved in the congregation. There's just so much stuff. And so it just pulls you into this pit of I just don't have the energy to care. It's so overwhelming. Or we're so comfortable in where we currently are that we realize that if I, actually, if I actually gave a rip about these things, it, it might make me uncomfortable. And I, I might not be able to sit back and do the things that I'm currently doing. I might have to put forth some effort. And well, it's a lot easier not to. It's a lot easier to keep things social media friendly than it is to go out and get dirty than it is to care about and have my heart broken for the things that break God's heart. David realized it was a lot easier and he was a lot more comfortable if he just sat back and let other people do all of the work. And as we mentioned, David made some poor decisions out of that. If you read further into that story, you actually find out that the baby that Bathsheba became pregnant with died. So there was more pain piled on top of it. If you read through the Psalms and you, you read some of David's laments throughout this whole period, you realize that 
that his desire to be comfortable and not to take on the overwhelming things in his world actually seemed to have led him to a place of depression instead of to a place of, I just feel better about everything in my life. I believe that we are designed to care about things and we are designed to be passionate about things and we are designed to do something about those things that we are passionate about. We're not designed to sit back and just be comfortable and to sit back and to, to not have any interest in the things that are going on around us. We're designed to be involved. Sometimes though, when we decide to be involved, we, we might actually find ourselves being a little bit more in tune with these people in the New Testament that we run across called the Pharisees. They were constantly pushing against Jesus because Jesus cared about things. Jesus was passionate about things. And constantly, the Pharisees were pushing back because Jesus was pushing against the things that they were comfortable with. Jesus was out there doing things like healing on the Sabbath day, which was a no-no for them. When Jesus was out doing something good for other people, you constantly run across these people called the Pharisees saying, stop it, you can't do that kind of stuff. That's not how we've always done this. Don't you know that on Sunday, we don't do these things? This is uncomfortable for me. It should be uncomfortable for you too. Jesus tells a story about, um, we label it the Good Samaritan, but he tells this story about a man who goes down a road and he gets beat up and these men walk by him. And the first couple of men who walk by, they walk by and they see it and they're like, that's gonna take effort. I'm gonna have to care about that person in order to do something for that person. I'm gonna have to have some concern for that, por- that person in order to do something and I don't have that. And then this other person walks along, a Samaritan who's not supposed to care about that person. And he gets down and he picks him up, all blood and bruises and everything, and he puts him on his donkey and he takes him into an inn and, and he pays for him to be taken care of and he pays to give him a place to sleep because that person cared. That person saw that there was something to be done and he did something about it. And that's what Jesus is calling us to do. But what that means is that we have to sit there and instead of being overwhelmed by all the stuff going on around us, we have to start chipping away at all those things that are pulling us into this point of of, of a lack of concern and a lack of interest and a lack of caring. This idea that it's not my problem. We have to be willing to get a little bit or a lot bit uncomfortable. And I don't, I don't have the three-step plan or the five-step plan or anything like that, but I do have a couple of suggestions for you. And one of those, if you want to do this and if you want to get out of this, this season of apathy that you might find yourself in or that you see the church in, one of those things is you've got to get off your backside and do something. So many times it's a place you got to start. I've got a buddy who lives in some other place. I actually just blanked on where he lives. But I keep seeing his Facebook posts because, you know, we're, we're Facebook friendly. I keep seeing his Facebook posts about how he's been going out and he's been running and he ran 75 miles over the course of July, which is, I mean, that's, that's nothing to slouch at. That's a lot of miles. And every day he'd put on there when he went for his run, hard work is undefeated. Actually, I had a hashtag before it. That would have been cooler if I had actually said that. But hard work is undefeated. He wanted to run, 
He wanted to become a runner. He wanted to be, get, get in better shape. So you know what he did? He got off his backside and he went out and started running. He didn't have his whole step all laid out and planned out for him. He didn't have the, okay, I'm gonna do this, 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 and this. He just went out and he started doing it. And sometimes that's what we've gotta do is we've just gotta get out and we've gotta start doing something. You find that maybe coming here on Sunday mornings is all you're doing and it's kind of one of those things where you're like, I'm doing it because this is what I feel like I'm supposed to do. I would encourage you to do something more, to find something more. You want something more to do, I mentioned it earlier. We need people in MC Kids. We need people in MC Kids. You're like, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm terrified as to what that even means. I don't know how to do that kind of stuff. Well, it turns out we have an amazing children's pastor who is more than ready to train you over what it means to get involved in MC Kids. There's upfront people, there's small group people, there's greeter people, there's check-in people, there's all sorts of different roles that MC Kids needs people to step into. If you find that on Sunday morning it's all about you and, you're, and you really don't wanna be here in the first place, the first thing I tell people is get involved. You'll be amazing what it does for your passion when you get up and you do something. Not sure where to start when it comes to, to fighting you know, things outside of here like, like poverty or fighting things like foster or um, kids with broken homes and needing a place like foster care. You're not, you're not sure where to start with getting clean water for the world. Well, find something and just start with that. You know, yesterday, I'd, I'll be honest with you, I was lazy yesterday morning. I did not get up and do the 5K. But I know some people did get up and do the 5K that helped raise money for Isaiah 117 house which is involved in the foster care system. So by getting up and going on a run, those people actually helped the foster care system. Sometimes it's just the little things that you gotta get up and you gotta start doing it. Focus on something that captures your heart. That might mean that it takes a little bit of effort to figure out what that is that God's put inside of you. But focus on something that captures your heart. I'm a, I'm a dad of two girls, ages 10, ages eight. I also have a son, but I'm not talking about him right now. I have, I have two little girls. And as they grow older, and in, in my mind at least, and I'm definitely right on this, as they grow more beautiful, as they, their personality comes out more and more, my fear as a dad that they would get pulled into some of the horrible situations that women all over the world get pulled into grows. And I know that God didn't give me a spirit of fear and, and I need to fight against that and, and I, I pray his protection over them every day. But as that fear inside of me grows that they would be pulled into sex trafficking or, or other kinds of human trafficking, it also grows my desire to fight against those things. But I can't just sit here and say, man, I hate human trafficking. I hope somebody else takes care of it. There are ways that I can be involved in that. Maybe God's made you passionate about helping people through mental illness. 
Find ways to get involved in that. Maybe he's made you passionate about fighting or against the, the drug and alcohol addictions that are out there or helping people through those. Man, there's this organization called LAM, Life After Meth, right here that you can get involved in. Maybe you're passionate about foster care. There's the Isaiah 117 house. Maybe you're passionate about getting clean water for the entire world. There are organizations everywhere that you can get involved in to bring clean water to the world. Whatever it is that you're passionate about, maybe you're, you're passionate about putting food into people's stomachs or, or getting clothes on people's back, there's this place called the Lord's Warehouse right up the road that you can go down and you can volunteer. If God has put a passion in you and he has, then he has put a way for you to do something about it. You can't solve the whole thing on your own, but you can be part of the solution. And as you find yourself getting into that, I promise you, and I don't do that kind of a thing very often, but I promise you that the feelings of apathy that you can find sinking into your life about different things will begin to be defeated because you're doing the things that God has designed you to do. You cannot just wait on the church to tell you, here's what you need to do. We put together a program now be a part of this program. Do we have programs? Absolutely. Do we want you to be a part of them? Absolutely. Otherwise, we wouldn't put them together in the first place. But you can't just wait on us to give you the thing that God is telling you to do. You have to get off your backside and do something. I have to get off my backside and do something. We're going, in a few weeks, give you a little bit of a preview of where we're going, actually in about a month, we're gonna start digging into the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five. We're gonna start digging in and seeing what Jesus had to say about, you know, how this, this life is all about coming to the end of me and it's about something so much bigger than we are. But one of the first things we're going to look at is when Jesus actually says that, that blessed are those who mourn. I ran across a quote recently in a book by a guy called Esau McCauley, uh, a book called uh, Reading While Black. And in this book, he makes the statement in here of apathy is actually poor theology. Because the theology of mourning that Jesus talks about here, and you're gonna hear this again, so I'm giving you a little preview. A theology of mourning Actually, I'm gonna pull it up here because I'm, I'm not gonna get it right. As I'm starting to say it, I realize it's not coming out right. A theology of mourning never allows us the privilege of apathy. Because when we begin to see the things around us that we should care about, it should break our heart. And when our heart is broken, we cannot sit back and do nothing. As the worship team comes back up, I'd like to just speak over you a Franciscan blessing that if, if you are social media friendly with me, you saw that I posted this throughout the course of the past week. But this would be my prayer over you this morning. As we fight against this, as this apathy that, that so easily likes to, to creep into our lives and to take over our lives and to get us to the point where we are so overwhelmed by so many things, Oh, yeah, I can do that first. <laughs> no, you're fine. 
the youth pastor in me is like, that's fine, interrupt me all you want. Okay, so two things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, this blessing over you in a moment. But during the time that we have for a response, this is our needs for MC Kids on Sunday morning. And I realize that not everybody's here this morning and you might sit there and go, but some of the people who would normally put their name on there aren't here, so I'm gonna leave some empty spots for them. Turns out most of those people will find a different area to get involved. I would love to see this full by the time this song is over. That we would be that willing to be uncomfortable and fill this thing up before we're done singing this morning. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger and injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to turn their pain into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. I'm gonna read that over you one more time because that was a lot of words. This is my prayer over you. This is the way that I believe that as we read through the Beatitudes, we realize that we are blessed by God. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to turn their pain into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. God, I pray that you wouldn't just break our hearts just so we could walk around with broken hearts, but that you would break our hearts so that we would be a people who would do the things that you would have us do. God, that you would break our hearts in a way that we realize that you are the only one who can mend them back together, who can fill them up. God, that you would open our eyes so that we can see the people around us in this building so that we can see the people in the community in which we live, so that we can see you, so that when we go to worship, it's so much bigger than ourselves. God, make us uncomfortable, give us tears, break our hearts, as only you can do, amen.